You're listening to the City Church Downtown Podcast. Now here's Doug Robin. How you feeling today, City Church? Yeah. Well, I got to tell you, I'm feeling good and like nacho really good, okay? Uh, so check it out. Today, odd topic today, we're talking about speaking in tongues today, and I know that's kind of a loaded subject because back in the day when I first started following Christ as a teenager, I didn't like speaking in tongues, and I had these friends that went to these churches that practiced it, a charismatic kind of church, and I would argue with them tooth and nail about this. I realize some of you are coming from varying backgrounds on that particular topic. Some of you are like all about it. Some of you are like come from environments where it was abused, and you're like, that was so weird. I'm going to stay as far away from that kind of church as possible. I don't want to have to pack a lunch when I go to church, you know, uh, stay all day long. Uh, they're weird. I have this friend that um, he was in an environment where they like would almost like barricade the door until you spoke in tongues and they wouldn't let you leave the room. And so he faked it and pretended like he was speaking in tongues. I guess he went all, should have bought a Honda, but I bought a Kia or whatever. And so he, he uh, uh, faked it so he could escape the room. Um, others of you are like, what are you even talking about? You're new to church. Uh, you're like, what even in, is tongues? Was well, kind of like, uh, in a nutshell, it's like when a Christian gets a language and didn't even do Rosetta Stone yet, you know, it's a, it's a supernatural kind of thing. I'm going to drill down on that more here in just a minute. But no matter what your background, whether you're very skeptical of this type of thing, seen it abused, you're all about it, or like me, I was very skeptical of this kind of thing. Um, I had to come to a place in my life where I had to say, I'm not going to criticize what I don't fully understand. You think that's a good position to be in? Where humbly you say, I'm not going to criticize what I don't understand. And I came to a place where I could authentically pray, Holy Spirit, I'm open to you. And that's the one transforming idea that I want to submit to you today is perhaps in your heart, you could honestly pray, Holy Spirit, I'm open to you. Whatever comes that's good from you, I want to receive it. And so would you guys be willing to say that kind of simple declaration and pray with me when I point to you, both in the video cafe online here in the theater ready? Here we go. Holy Spirit, I'm open to you, to you and what you want to do. Now, uh, some of our services are very inspirational for those of you that are deeply feeling. But other services of ours are somewhat informational for those of you that are very deeply thinking And so this is going to clearly be an informational kind of talk today. So I need you to hang with me because it's going to be a lot of Bible verses, a lot of information. We're going to start out in the New York Times, an article called A Neuroscientific Look at Speaking in Tongues. And in it, it talks about researchers at the University of Pennsylvania took brain images of five women while they spoke in tongues. I bet that was exciting. And they found that their frontal lobes, the thinking, willful part of the brain, through which people control what they do were relatively quiet, as were the language centers in the brain. The regions involved in maintaining self-consciousness were active. The women were not in blind trances, and it was unclear which region of the brain was driving the behavior. And perhaps that gets in touch with what Paul was talking about in 1 Corinthians 14, 14, when he says, if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful. Now let's go back to the New York Times for just a minute, and we'll see, contrary to what may be a common perception, studies suggest that people who speak in tongues, look at this, rarely suffer from mental problems. 
A recent study of nearly a thousand evangelical Christians in England found that those who engaged in the practice were, get this, more emotionally stable than those who did not. And perhaps there the study's getting in touch with what Paul said in 1 Corinthians 14:4. Anyone who speaks in a tongue edifies himself, themselves there. It can be a very edifying building up kind of spiritual experience. Now, in recent days, we've been in this series that we're calling Wind Walkers, where we're trying to get in touch with, in tune with what the Spirit of God is doing and move with the winds of the Spirit of God. And one of the things that you'll see is that when the Holy Spirit fills a person, it overflows with words. There's one part of the Bible that talks about the Holy Spirit as like uh, living water, a well of living water that bubbles up and out of a person. We see these words overflowing in Acts 1.8. Look at it with me. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my what? Witnesses. Witnesses speak of what they've experienced do they not? You'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. And so the Holy Spirit gives this unique ability for Christ followers to be able to communicate the good news about Jesus to other people that are unchurched or irreligious. And this happened to me in my first filling. I came back from a youth camp. That's why I'm so excited about those of you that are going to city youth camp today. I had one of the greatest experiences of my life at a camp. And what God is going to do in some of you is radically change your life in a way that you're not even anticipating right now. And look, here's what happened to me those years ago. I'm just a kid. I'm trying to figure out how to play pranks at camp. Um, I'm trying to figure out how to sneak out of the cabin and smoke weed in the woods and all this kind of stuff. I know none of our students would ever do that. However, the Holy Spirit did something to me. And here's the thing, campers, I want you to understand, is that you'll see people that'll get emotional at a camp and they come back and maybe they're emotional for a couple of weeks about God, nothing really changes. I haven't changed. I went to that camp, I don't even know how many years ago, and I'm not gonna try and calculate it in my head because it was so many years ago. But there is an experience that can last, and let me tell you how it manifests in and through me when I got home. I went to the Silvermint Arcade. Okay, students, an arcade. That is a place. <laughs> People used to go to a place to play video games. You couldn't play it on your phone. Imagine that. And there were these big consoles and they would have words on them and it would say, space invaders, asteroids, defender, Pac-Man. Waka, 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 waka. And look, check it out. I would play these games with my friends and we would start spiritual conversations and we would end up out in the parking lot on the bed of my pickup truck. By the way, there was a time, young people, where teenagers desired to drive. They didn't just take Uber places, but they drove their own cars. But anyway, we would end up on the tailgate of my pickup truck, and we would talk about Jesus. And every day for the first 30 days that I got home from that camp and having been filled with the Spirit, at least one or more of my friends 
prayed to receive Christ at the arcade because the Holy Spirit, when he comes upon you, he gives you power to be witnesses and explain the truth of God's word and the gospel of Jesus in ways that people can receive and understand. Now, look, I understand some of you are very new to church and you say, Doug, you know, this whole proselytizing thing, that's just not very cool to me. But what I want you to understand is that you're proselytizing right now. Everyone's doing it. It doesn't matter. You're evangelizing to something. You're trying to convince people, um, Android or Apple phone, Ford or Chevy. You're doing it all the time. And if you're telling me that it's wrong to proselytize, then you're trying to proselytize me to a certain way of thinking. And if you're offended by that, you're gonna be even more offended when we start talking about the overflow of the Holy Spirit in what's called the gift of tongues. So what is speaking in tongues? Look at the screen and you'll see tongues or glossa in the original language. It really just means languages. It's a form of prayer and praise you express to God in a language you do not understand. And I wanted to drill down on it further, and so I looked up uh, the viewpoint of tongues from N.T. Wright, who is an intellectual giant, perhaps the brightest mind in Christendom today in the days in which we live. He is also a man who practices speaking in tongues, and he said, tongues refers to the gift of speech, which through making sounds and using apparent or even actual languages, somehow bypasses the speaker's conscious mind. Such speech is experienced as a stream of praise in which, though the speaker may not be able to articulate precisely what is being said, a sense of love for God, of adoration and gratitude wells up and overflows. It is like a private language of love. It is a private language of love that deeply connects you with God in the midst of intense times of prayer. Let me show you a couple of things that tongues can be. Number one, tongues can be an unintelligible language like gibberish that no one understands. That's why in one part of the Bible, Paul calls it like the tongues of men and of angels. It could be that it's an angelic language that other people don't understand. Another place it says it's like groanings that are too deep for words. So you're intensely praying and you don't even know what to say. And the spirit through glossolalia or the tongues could give you a language in words and groanings that are too deep even for words, but look at number two. It can be an intelligible language like Chinese, Portuguese, Arabic. Uh, so my friend Mark Roy and I this past week were talking about tongues, and he told me about a church meeting in which a man stood up and started speaking in tongues in the midst of the church gathering or meeting. And there was a UT student there who um, Mandarin was her first language, and she heard the gospel message through this man in Mandarin, and she received the gospel and prayed, prayed to receive Christ into her life when tongues was appropriately used. And I think what was going on there was what we see in Acts chapter 2. Look at verses 1 through 8. It says, when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind. Wind walkers, right? There's like the Holy Spirit is like wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other what? Tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Each one heard their own language being spoken. How is it? 
that each of us hears them in our own native language. So each heard their own language, but tongues can happen when you're just filled with the Spirit of God. Look at Acts 10, 45. The Jewish believers who came to Peter were amazed that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles too. It wasn't just for Jews. For they heard them speaking in other what? Tongues and praising God. Now fast forward a couple of chapters, a few chapters to Acts chapter 19, verse 5. They were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus, so they came to faith in Jesus first. And then Paul laid his hands on them, and the Holy Spirit came on them, and they spoke in other what? Tongues. And they prophesied. So let me show you three what I would call oversimplistic views of speaking in tongues, views that I disagree with, but nonetheless are common in a fair number of churches around the world today. Uh, number one, some people would say you're not filled with the Holy Spirit if you don't speak in tongues. But if you were to study through the entire New Testament, you would see that tongues is one of the manifestations of the Holy Spirit, not the manifestation of the Holy Spirit. So you can go throughout the New Testament, you would see that there's like fruit of the Holy Spirit, right? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, all of that. When the Holy Spirit fills you, um, you exude the fruit of the Spirit, the love and joy and all that. Um, But then there are also gifts of the Spirit, a number of different gifts mentioned throughout the New Testament, Ephesians, Romans, 1 Corinthians, uh, all of that. Um, Now, look at this next one. Number two, some people would say you're not a Christian if you don't speak in tongues. But we've said, no, we don't buy into that. Uh, Tongues is one of the byproducts of being filled with the Holy Spirit and receiving the Holy Spirit, but it's not the byproduct of it. If you studied through Acts, you would see 22 stories where people are starting to follow Christ. And in those 22 stories about people coming to faith in Christ, tongues is only mentioned in three of the stories. So if it were uh, essential to have a relationship with God, it would have been in all 22 of the stories. But then the third view that I think is an overly simplistic view is that of what's called cessationism. Um, What that means is these, these are people that believe that tongues and miracles ceased the cessation. They ceased with the apostles. So when Peter, John, James, all the apostles died off, um, then those gifts died off with them. I used to hold to that view. Let me show you why. 1 Corinthians 13, 8 through 10. Love never fails, but where there are prophecies, they will what? Cease. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part. But when, what's that next word? Completeness. Remember that. When completeness comes, what is in part disappeared. So the question to interpret this is what is completeness? What is that? Well, what I used to believe is that that meant the completed Bible, that once we got the completed Bible, we didn't have need for receiving information from God through tongues or through prophecy or through these miraculous kinds of gifts. But as I studied the passages more deeply, I came to understand that it's not about a completed Bible, but it's more about an event. And what is that event? The event of the second coming of Christ to the earth that's all throughout the New Testament. It's the second coming. When Christ comes again, he will make all things right. He will bring fullness of revelation because right now we see in a mirror dimly, but when we see him, we'll see him what? Face to face. 
Well, you can't see a Bible face to face. You can look at it, but it doesn't have a face, right? A person has a face. The event of his coming is Jesus. And someday uh, he will bring all things into completion where there's no need for prophecies, tongues, and the like. Now, what I did was I restudied the text of the Bible, and then I read some other resources as well. And I was really interested in a book by a seminary professor named Jack Deere. Dr. Jack Deere, wrote a book called Surprised by the Power of the Spirit. I highly recommend it to a lot of you. Um, and basically what Jack Deere said a lot of people do is they create theology based upon their lack of experience. And what I believed is tongues doesn't exist because I've never experienced it. But how many of you know God is way bigger than just the stuff that uh, I can experience or all the people in this room combined can experience? And so I re-studied it and found it there in the text. Um, there's another book that debunks cessationism, um, that the gifts has ceased, and it's the Systematic Theology book by Dr. Wayne Grudem. I know all of you have it on your coffee tables, and you'll go home and refer to it after the service. But no, one of the things you've noticed so far is that um, first, we, we reference 1 Corinthians a lot, and that's an integral part of the Bible to understand regarding tongues. And we have to understand the context of 1 Corinthians. It was a letter. It wasn't a theology book. It was a letter from a pastor to a church about an issue. Their issue was the opposite issue that we have at City Church. We like things done in order. Have you ever heard people speaking in tongues in our service? If you have, it's not a lot. It's maybe a little bit. You won't hear it from the stage. Um, But in Corinth, it was a circus. It was a freak show. Everybody's speaking in tongues out loud at one time. Everybody's trying to show off how spiritual they can be. And Paul has to correct them. And look at what he says in 1 Corinthians 14, 1. Follow the way of love and eagerly desire gifts of the Spirit, especially prophecy. For anyone who speaks in a tongue does not speak to people, but to God. Indeed, no one understands them. They utter mysteries by the Spirit. But the one who prophesies speaks to people for their strengthening, encouraging, and comfort. Anyone who speaks in a tongue edifies themselves, but the one who prophesies edifies the church. I would like every one of you to speak in tongues, but I would rather have you prophesy. The one who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues, unless someone interprets so that the church may be edified. So let me show you five thoughts on 1 Corinthians 14 in rapid fire. Number one, love for others motivates the gifts. So the Corinthian believers were showing off their gifts, trying to say how spiritual I am, but that is not the motivation that is foundational to the exercising of the spiritual gifts. Spiritual gifts, like tongues, are to serve others and to love other people. Look at number two, eagerly desire spiritual gifts. If you hear about tongues or any other spiritual gift and you long for it and desire it, that's a good desire for you to have in your heart. Number uh, three, tongues are spoken to God, not to other people. Number four, tongues edify self, not necessarily others. That word edify is just kind of a churchy word that means to build up. It's like a construction word to build up. And when you speak to people in church, you want it to build them up, 
uh, rather than just build yourself up. But look at number five. Tongues is not as important as prophecy. Now you're saying, Doug, what do you mean by prophecy? I mean, you talk about Nostradamus or some predictor of the future or whatever. Well, it's not so much just that, but you can, I don't have time to get into it fully today. If you want to learn about what prophecy is in the New Testament, go back and listen to the podcast in the Whisper series that we had uh, sometime last year. But look at what else Paul says about tongues in 1 Corinthians 14, 6. He says, now brothers and sisters, if I come to you and speak in tongues, what good will I be to you unless I bring you some revelation or knowledge or prophecy or word of instruction? I'm bringing word of instruction uh, today. Even in the case of lifeless things that make sounds, such as the pipe or harp, how will anyone know what tune is being played unless there is a distinction in the notes? Unless you speak intelligible words with your tongue, how will anyone know what you're saying? You will just be speaking into the air. So it is with you, since you are eager for gifts of the Spirit, try to excel in those that build up the church. So Paul uses an analogy or an illustration here of musical instruments. So uh, to illustrate this, would you join me in welcoming Carl uh, to help us with this? And so, I know most of you didn't know that I can play the keyboard left-handed, okay? So I'm gonna play, and then we're gonna have Carl play. So listen, this check this out. Okay, what was that? That was jazz, okay? Makes no sense at all, does it? And I know if we're honest about it, some of you are being nice to me, but that sounded awful, didn't it? It was, uh, it, it's not on key, there's no rhythm to it, because music was designed to have a rhythm and a cadence to it, to make sense, to uh, be on key. So now... Listen as Carl plays the piano. Everybody, thanks, Carl. Yeah. Some of you were going to that smoky room, (laughs) smelling wine and cheap perfume all up and down the boulevard, right? So it just made sense when Carl played it, didn't it? Because he knew how to do, play the, the keyboard appropriately. And that's very much like the way that the gift of tongues is supposed to be activated in the church service. So let me give you an illustration of this with tongues. At one of our awakened services several months ago, there was a woman who, by the way, awaken is a service where more of these types of miraculous gifts operate in our church, in a service, and a woman was sitting down here and she was speaking in tongues really loud and proud, and she was basically freaking out the people that were sitting around her. There was no interpretation of her words, and it was basically just for her. It was basically, look at me, look at how spiritual I am, and it was, it was kind of like me playing the keyboard. It was noise. And you juxtapose that with one meeting where Billy Graham, some of you heard of Billy Graham, you know, the great 
communicator of the gospel that passed away in recent years. And one time he was speaking at an Assembly of God college and he had three points to a message that he was going to bring. He spoke the first point and a man in that auditorium stood up, spoke in tongues, and Billy wisely asked for an interpretation. Another man stood up, interpreted what had been said in tongues, and it was the second two, uh, the last two points of Billy Graham's message. He was edified, and others there were built up and encouraged through that particular experience. That would be like Carl playing the keyboard, right? In unity with what the Holy Spirit, in rhythm with what the Holy Spirit is doing. Now, Paul goes on to say in 1 Corinthians 14, 13, he says, for this reason, the one who speaks in a tongue should pray that they may interpret what they say. Otherwise, when you are praising God in the spirit, how can someone else who is now put in the position of an inquirer say amen to your thanksgiving since they do not know what you are saying? You are giving thanks well enough, but no one else is edified. I thank God that I speak in tongues more than all of you, but Here's the key phrase, in church, in the church, I would rather speak five intelligible words to instruct others than 10,000 words in a tongue. So in other words, Paul is saying, you Corinthian people, you're circus of a church service, you think you're so spiritual because everybody is speaking in tongues loudly and boldly, but what I'm saying to you is I speak in tongues more than any of you, and I am more spiritual than any of you, but you know what? I don't do it in church and freak everybody out when I'm trying to draw attention to myself. See what he's getting at here? So that's why I say in private, it's a great way to praise God. In public, it should be done in an orderly fashion. Even in a public meeting, you know, you can pray in the spirit quietly to yourself in a way that doesn't distract and freak other people out. And Paul goes on in 1 Corinthians 14, 14, for if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful. So what shall I do? I will pray with my spirit, but I will also pray with my understanding. I will sing with my spirit. And by the way, uh, praying and singing in the spirit is basically the same thing as praying in tongues. Um, he says, but I will also sing with my understanding. If anyone speaks in a tongue, here's the protocol. Two, or at the most three should speak, one at a time, and someone must interpret. It, it blows me away how many churches just blow this off in their church services. And then Paul goes on to say, if there is no interpreter the speaker should keep quiet, where? In the church. And what do you do? And speak to himself and to God. So he's like, speak in tongues in private or to yourself and to God. Don't freak everyone out at church. Now listen to Paul's summary in 1 Corinthians 14, 39. He says, therefore, my brothers and sisters, be eager to prophesy and do not forbid speaking in tongues. It blows me away how many churches don't listen to this verse. They say, no tongues here. You keep that stuff out of here. But Paul says, no, don't forbid it. Allow for speaking in tongues. He says, but everything should be done in a fitting and orderly way. Now, let me reel this in for just a minute and wrap up by asking a question. Why does this even matter? And then a follow-up question will be, well, what should we do about it? Okay, here's why it matters. 
If you could have a spiritual tool in your arsenal that would encourage you in your private prayer times with God and more deeply connect you with God as you're talking to him, wouldn't you want that? I think that matters. Have you ever prayed and then at the end of your prayers, you don't feel any more connected to God or any more energized to do the things of God than you were before you started? What if you had a tool that was at your disposal that everyone here could have and it would energize your spiritual life? Wouldn't you want that? Well, that's what the filling of the Spirit can do for you, for you. So what should we do? Number one, desire spiritual gifts. Uh, Desire these gifts. If you don't desire the gift of tongues or some other spiritual gift, um, why not? Drill down into your own heart to figure out why not. Is it because you've been burned in the past by a crazy religious circus at the church you used to go to? Or is it because you've been a part of a tradition where they never talked about tongues? Look, some of you, this is the first sermon you've ever heard about the topic of tongues. And you're like, wow, did we get a fire hose of verses about talking in tongues today, did we not? Um, It was a lot to take in, but some of you have never even heard of it. And just because of your past tradition, you never did know anything about it and and didn't think it was legit or real because of your past tradition. Um, Others of you are afraid. You're afraid that something weird's gonna happen to you uh, if you experience a filling of the Spirit in this way. And there's no reason to fear. There's no reason to fear. Jesus says he's gentle and humble in heart and you find rest for your souls. That's what he wants to do. He's good and he's not gonna in any way force anything on you. Holy Spirit is gentle like we've seen in this series. He's like a dove. Is there any reason to fear a dove? Okay, you know, there's no reason to fear a dove. And so you can pray, Holy Spirit, I'm open to you. If you have been a part of a tradition that didn't believe in this kind of thing or never taught about it, you can say, Holy Spirit, I'm welcome to you. I'm open, welcome to do whatever you would like in my life as long as it's of you, of God. And there are still others that like me are, are always very skeptical of supernatural kinds of things. And perhaps you could come to a place today where you could just question your own skepticism like I had to do. Just maybe there are spiritual things out there that you've not yet experienced. And like me, you could pray, Holy Spirit, I'm open to you. And so the second thing I wanna ask you to do is create space for Holy Spirit to fill you. After this service, we're going to have prayer leaders here at the front to pray with you. Should you like to receive a filling and what some people call an impartation of the Holy Spirit to give you a gift um, today. Now, back to my story for just a minute, back those many years when I was skeptical of this and I didn't believe in it and I was a cessationist. Um, I had done the study, I'd done my homework in my Bible and I'd read other resources on it. Um, so I believed in it, but I had never done it. And there's a big difference there, isn't there? But everything has to come in order. You have to be open to it. So I read this little book by an Episcopal guy, and his name was Dennis Bennett. I didn't know Episcopal guys knew anything about the Holy Spirit. And I read this book by Dennis Bennett. It's called 
how to pray for the release of the Holy Spirit. And this Episcopal guy says that what you have to do is you exercise spiritual gifts by faith. It's like Peter stepping out of the boat. He would have never walked on water unless he stepped out of the boat. So like spiritual gifts of administration, you have to administrate something in order to see it operate. With the gift of giving, you have to give something to see that gift come to fruition. And so it is with tongues. God's not going to take you like a puppet and make your mouth move. You have to speak and then the Holy Spirit overflows with a language of tongues if you're going to receive that. And I'm sitting in the privacy of my own study at home those years ago. I read that Dennis Bennett book and I thought, I'm going to try this. I'm like, Holy Spirit, I'm open to you. And then I spoke a word and a language came out and it freaked me out at first. I'm like, what the, what was that? that it was a jolt of spiritual and emotional energy that excited me for God in a way that I had not ever experienced in my life. Well, I kept doing it because it felt so good, but I was skeptical of it, you know, because I knew that um, if the Holy Spirit gives good gifts of God, that the devil can give counterfeit gifts, right? And so I was skeptical of it my whole, you know, as I started to do this, and so... uh, Then one night I had an experience that got me over the hump of my skepticism. I get this phone call late at night from these parents. And these parents, their daughter came to the youth group I was leading at that time. And she was having a friend spend the night. And her friend friend was like manifesting something evil. Her friend was like going full on exorcist situation. Now these parents, they didn't believe in anything. And they call me um, and they're asking me, Look, uh, Mr. Robbins, would you come over here? We, this girl is freaking out on us. We don't even know what's happening here. And we understand you know how to make it stop. Will you come over here and try and make it stop? And I'm thinking to myself, I, you know, I'm tired. Um, I don't feel very good tonight. I don't want to go. God, you're supposed to be protecting me. Why didn't you keep, protect my phone number from these people, okay? Um, but I agree to come over, and I call a couple of friends of mine to go with me. Uh, one friend, Dave, and another friend of mine, Karen, who is an RN. She's a nurse in case it was something medical, right? You don't want to try and deal with something spiritual if it's something really medical. And so we go over there, and we're praying for this young woman, and she's like full-on manifesting something evil. If you're new to church and you're like, that is the most whack thing I've ever heard, I want to show you, you weren't it's freaking weird, man. Okay, I'm just telling you, uh, a little teenage girl talking in man voices, growling, all this whack stuff, you know, and we're saying like the Bible says to do, you know, in the name of Jesus, come out, leave her alone, get off her, get away from her, get out of her, whatever it is you're, you're doing there, um, like cat noises, growling, I'm like, what the, okay, uh, and so um, anyways, uh, we're trying, we're reading the Bible at it, that makes it mad, we're saying in Jesus' name, come out but we couldn't get it out. So I had this prompting and the prompting was use your new prayer language at it, speak in tongues at it. And I'm like, I'm not doing that. Okay, there are people here. When we're alone, it's cool. This is just our thing, God. Holy Spirit, it's just our thing. Remember in private, I'm not doing it in front of the people. Prompts me again and I was desperate. I didn't know what to do because we couldn't get the demon out of the girl and this is a young woman that matters to God and we didn't want her to deal with something foul spiritually in her life. And so I finally obeyed God 
And I spoke in that prayer language in tongues at that thing. And the demons left the girl and she was sitting there at peace in her right mind. And all of a sudden these parents that were unbelievers were very open to learning about spiritual things after what they had just encountered. And my nurse friend, Karen, said, Doug, I understood what you just said. You were praying a psalm of praise to God that I just read my God time a couple of days ago. And look, here's where the rubber meets the road for some of you. Is that for some of you, God wants to fill you with his spirit so that you can overflow with a language you've never learned to edify your soul and get you through and heal all kinds of things in your heart. But some of you are to receive a prayer language to be used in spiritual warfare to serve and save people from the clutches of Satan. If you'll receive it. But look, Before you receive any filling of the spirit, you have to start at square one, which is to begin a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. You can't skip a step. Remember that they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus first and then received the filling of the Holy Spirit. Now you can receive them both at the same time, but it all starts with the cross. And that's perhaps why God brought some of you here today. So with that in mind, how about we bow for prayer? Just close our eyes, bow our heads. And if you would like to begin a relationship with God through Jesus Christ, here's what I want you to do. I want you to talk to him in your own heart and mind and just say, look, God, I know I've sinned. I know I've screwed up. But right now, the best I know how, I choose to believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross to pay the penalty for my sin. I believe it. And Jesus, I welcome you into my life. Thank you for coming in. Now, as we continue in prayer, this next prayer is not just for those of you that just prayed to begin a relationship with Christ, but those of you that have believed for many years. And it's a simple prayer to say, Holy Spirit, I'm open to you. Holy Spirit, I'm open to you to bring gifts into my life. If you just prayed that and you'd like me to know about it, just show me a hand real quick. Holy Spirit, I'm open to you. I'm ready to receive gifts from you. Yes, all over this room. Lord, you see the hands that have been lifted by faith by your good people here at City Church downtown. And Holy Spirit, we welcome you to fill them and give great gifts that would encourage them and heal them and help free people from the demonic clutches of the enemy. Thank you for what you're unleashing in our church that is so powerful. It's the likes of which none of us have ever experienced. Many times it's like exceeding abundantly above all that we can ask or think according to the power that works within us to your glory in your church through all the generations. And so we thank you for what you're pouring out and blowing through this place, Holy Spirit. And we pray all these things. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, everyone said, amen. Amen. Thanks for listening. For more information, visit citychurchdowntown.com.